0: And with me today is a very special friend and fellow traveler of the spiritual journey, Tani. Tani, thanks so much for keeping me company today. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you, Brent.
0: So Tani, I'll introduce you to our audience briefly, and then we'll just jump right into you sharing about your journey. So Tani and I were connected on the When Nightling Strikes community, and Immediately in one of the Zoom talks, uh, the Zoom sharing circles that we had, I recognized Tani and her radiance. And Tani, what I would describe, you know, the essence of, of what you were sharing and what you share in the community and in our conversations, I, I would say that it's a gentle, soothing wisdom. And mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel that from everybody. Everybody's got their own flavor of wisdom and insight. But from you, I feel this gentle and soothing wisdom and it's it's palpable. And one thing that really jumped out to me was, you know, sometimes on the on the forum, on the on the uh in the chat, sometimes you'll sign off your messages with aloha and you'll put in a little emoji of a flower. And that would always genuinely hit me in the chest when I would read that like an Aloha like a nice wave of 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 Aloha of that that's good vibes. And I'm intuitive and I can pick up on on intuitive uh you know energy as an empath and it's I'm sure you're familiar, you know it Transcends limitations. You can see it through a, a text message, an email, a video call, of of course, in person as well. And so, I always feel a genuine infusion of aloha when when you say that, and and I could tell you're not just typing it; it's something you're really sending out, and I could feel that. And and I want, you know, to have you on the on on the podcast today to share your aloha with our audience. I know they're going to benefit from it. I know they're going to benefit from your your soothing, gentle wisdom, and so. Tani, today you're coming to us from Hawaii. I'm a little jealous. You're in your the home that you designed, which is uh, pretty fascinating. And you can see in the background, there are a lot of uh, beautiful, bright, well-lit space. Maybe we'll chat a little bit about that as we go and you share your story. But overall, Tani, you're here to talk about with me Kundalini Awakening. My favorite topic of all time. The audience, of course, is, is interested in hearing about you know the uniqueness of of your kundalini awakening journey, some of the challenges you face, some of the s- solutions you found, the ups and downs. You know, maybe there's some some dark night of the soul. Maybe there's some some profound liberating mystical experiences. Let's just get right into all of that. Why don't you take us back to you know as early as you'd like when 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 the spiritual inclination and interest began to emerge in you how did it all begin
1: um okay well my story is a little bit different in the sense that it had a beginning Ah, um, i felt like i was born with this impulse it was not later that i found out that everybody didn't have this um for me um you know, our experience is so subjective that we actually don't realize um, everybody's different until we move on a little bit and and people, you know, talk to us about theirs. Um, so I grew up on a farm in North Dakota, in the Midwest, for the first 12 years of my life. Um, I was kind of that girl who was looking down the road, you know, through a window, like, feeling inside why isn't anybody talking to me about these things that I sense or I feel or the un, you know the unseen there was just sort of this longing to connect and communicate about you know deeper matters I mean and you know, I'm talking like you know sick old and just um a feeling like there was so much more that wasn't said it's kind of progress my whole life to be honest you know uh to to find people who can speak a language that really uh touches me and my heart and um can help me make sense of what's happening here uh so you know I, I grew up in a place um in my family they they weren't very connected to me i spent a lot of time uh, alone um my dad was like a narcissistic figure my mom was a very loving woman but she was pretty detached and doing her own thing um on a farm everybody's really literally out in the field so uh, my brother was there my sister um kind of had a disliking from me from the very beginning just never wanted to play with me or affirm i existed or you know um so that that i i guess what i'm saying is i i had a lot of wounds very very early Uh, there was sexual abuse a lot of things that you know i don't i don't look at them as as wrong things but they they were just things that i later had to deal with and unpack and it was way much later because i I didn't actually know um, that there was a lot of emotional trauma that was going to need to, you know, be dealt with. But what I did know that was the thread to the present day was um, this desire and this disordered eating. I... um, I my little protector parts found something for me to do to survive to handle the like the pain and like the loneliness I was alone a really really lot and you know there was some pleasure there and all that stuff and that was a theme I mean that was a huge teacher for me for decades. To sort that out it got all convoluted into god and why i wasn't able to beat this thing even though i tried so very very hard and um you know as i grew like going to counseling and even leading my own groups and flying all over and check myself into an inpatient treatment center and i honestly didn't know what was wrong with me because i liked my life um I loved being a mom. I have four children and had them all at home. And that was a really beautiful experience and I had a very peaceful home. Um, so I really didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I pretty much, you know, kept praying and asking God like why and what, and how, how what can I do? And I resigned myself to, I. I there's nothing I can do. And it, my love for God and my devotion for God was really strong from a little one. I would write songs to God. And also when I started going to church, you know, in, in doing, you know, I really loved Jesus. I really had an affinity to Jesus as well. And yet I didn't find the power in the, to move away from, from that. right? So it was really troubling to me because I thought my sin could separate me from God. I thought, and that was like um, unbearable to me. It broke my heart to think that is what I learned in church. You know, I found out it's not true, but so, so I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Eventually, you know, I just didn't want, and I didn't feel like I was a good representative of God. Of Jesus of the love I knew inside because I had issues raised right? I had this addiction and so it was really troubling to me to the point that I decided to not play music to not do anything really to just not represent God and not do that because I you know I like I said I, I didn't I didn't want to represent the light in a way that uh, wasn't true. So one of the one of the pivotal things for me that happened at that point, I was um on Kauai where I lived and I was at the beach and my longing in my heart was just so despite bare. And I was just, you know, like and I said, God, you know, if I never change, can you still use me? You know, like is there any way, you know, that. I can live in this skin the way I am and still be with you. And, you know, one doesn't like to say, yeah, I heard God's voice, but I heard God's voice. <laughs> and um, God told me yes. He told me that he did not run on the same track as do good, get good. He ran on a completely different um, track in you know, a completely different realm. And, what i came across what what happened to me is in that second the trauma that church had taught me the god you know my sin could separate me it got healed in an instant and in my heart i knew the unconditionalness of god and that nothing could separate me from that and the immediate joy and the weight and the burden like lifted from me like you wouldn't believe like very very heavy backpack and i understood one of the foundational spiritual truths that i understand still today it has never like left this joy of the lord um that the grace that he gave me you know and um so that was actually a big awakening for me. That was a, a big awakening.
0: How old were you?
1: Um, I was about 25 at this point.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, so far you're sharing a lot that I can relate with. Um, as a young kid, I also had this intense sort of, uh, I, I guess at the time I would call it a religious inclination. Um I thought, you know, I would be a religious person for my whole life. And even around me in in Catholic school, my other friends weren't really as interested as I was. Um, And that was, I went to Catholic school. And so I also really uh, had a strong love for Jesus and and a great admiration for Jesus. But when I began to find, you know, the uh, contradiction between, you know, us being sinners and then God also loves us unconditionally and this sort of thing. it um, you know, it was very, very troubling for me and I became angry and enraged and that sort of thing. After you had this experience where God showed you, you know, like you described, uh, he runs on a different track. There's unconditional love there. Did you feel a sort of resentment towards the church and towards religion in, in, in that way?
1: Um, You know, I I didn't recognize that I did then. I recognize in myself now the injustice of the whole thing and how we got the whole thing wrong. And I feel a very a fierce, um, ferocious part of me that wants to make that right uh, to anybody who would have been stuck where I was. Yeah, And, you know... Um, yeah, I feel that with the church right now because um, I also was in a Christian cult church. And um, there's a lot of a pain that happens in church, to be honest, in my opinion. You know, I think it's made a lot of uh, facades. People are wear a lot of facades. Just because their basic doctrine, you know, holds perfection of the human form. And that we have to get there ourselves, you know. And it, it, I don't believe that that was the message Jesus came to to deliver, you know.
0: Right, right. So I, I don't want to derail our conversation too much. I still would, you know, love to hear you continue right. on with your story, but you raise an interesting point. It's something that I've been thinking about recently, you know, the, uh, the idea of perfection. And there are some ideas that this idea of self realization or enlightenment being, a perfected being is Mm -hmm. actually like a a judeo-christian imposition on the eastern ideas and and that's why you know today we have people that may claim i'm perfect and then behind the scenes they're you know taking advantage of people or we have people that are aspiring for perfection and have had maybe very significant awakening self-realization enlightenment but are still wondering you know why am I still a flawed human being? You know, I need to get perfect. And it's like these two um completely separate systems kind of blending together in a sort of unhealthy way. Have you experienced this? Did you experience this, like, this sort of clashing between total acceptance of yourself as you are and then also this idea of like, oh, well, I have to be perfect.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Being a Virgo, we're like kind of the most self-critical little sign. And... I think that for me personally, differentiating between my desire to do the best I can because I have a high standard that I set for myself because I just know I can, you know, like I like to keep keep a clean house because I know I can. I like to be really organized in things because that makes me feel grounded. You know, different things like that, differentiating between that and actually my trauma wound. That makes me want to cover it up with a certain perfection on the outside, like if I look good, if my house is in order, if I seem good, then I might not get rejected, or I won't have to deal with the pain of other people's judgments, right? And and, and my own, you know, high standard. But I, <clears throat> I was trying I was trying to figure this out myself throwing the baby out with the bathwater didn't seem well because I actually knew that God gave me a personality and he wants to work within this structure. Right. And some of those things that I want to do are not like part of my wound. That's just part of my personality, but I recognize other things, um, other, uh, you know, other ways, like if it's just intolerable that my house is out of order, I pause and I go, Okay. All right, let's 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 unpack me a bit here and what's going on. But I think that was my original question to God. Like, okay, I really realize I'm not perfect here. What should we do with this? Can I love you? Can you love me? Can I move on in the things that are my heart's desire? Or should I just hang it up, you know? And so that was huge. You know, it was really huge. It it I mean, the emotional feeling that I felt, I mean, I went home and I got all my music and my pianos and I immediately wrote a song to God and I haven't stopped. It, it, wow. it just like, I go, okay. You know? Um, and the first line was blessed be the Lord for he has heard me.
0: Oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. It's, it's a huge thing to, to, overcome which is you know the idea that i need to be perfect i mean what worse standard can we put ourselves under like what worse pressure than the need to be absolutely perfect and when you have a deep love and wanting to be in a relationship with god you know in every waking moment you may be feeling you know flawed whereas maybe somebody else recognizes hey i'm not perfect but I don't really have too much of a concern with a relationship with God who needs me to be perfect. So then they can be flawed and it's okay. But to combine mm-hmm. these two, the desire to be with the God who you think needs you to be perfect. Oh, that's, that's uh that's a lot of pressure. And I can feel the, the relief, you know, the way you describe your, your, your story there, the relief that, you know, came forth and uh, the music you're writing and and uh, it's, it's that's an incredible, incredible release. Um. So after that, now you mentioned the Christian cult. Was this before that experience or was it afterwards?
1: Um, this was around about around that same time. But after that moment, like, you know, um, peace in the Bible. Like I used to be a Bible teacher, you know, and teach from the Bible. Um, but What I was teaching was um, the religion God was teaching me. It had really nothing to do. I mean, it was biblical and scriptural based, but it was what was now running through my heart. It was a religion of my own. It was different. And like the word peace means the enmity between God and man has been abolished. You know, and like I remember writing, writing a, you know, a little teaching on, on the gospel of peace you know, what, what really was given as a free gift is, this grace. And, um, but yeah, the Christian cult was, was hard, um, for sure, because as I, you know, I was visible, I was always playing worship and and teaching and, and doing a lot, a lot of things because I'm a really service oriented person as well. And, um, But what I started to see is God started to just show me the control that was happening here and with the pastor controlling everyone. And when he started to control my life, my personal life, I, I just, I, I just saw it right, really clearly and spoke to him that I I didn't think that I could follow this direction um, for me. You know, I didn't think I was going to get kicked out of the church, but that's what happened you know um so you know i i had to walk out of that church and this was actually the fourth church that i had gone to christian churches and i thought that it was just that particular church but i realized it was actually the doctrine and the foundation from which the whole religious structure um came that i couldn't fit into it wasn't my truth any longer and so um, I, you know, within a week was pretty much being, I wasn't following the pastor's orders. I I kind of got my my packing slip, which if you understand that my whole life was God and the church and music and teaching and all my friends were there. That hit me pretty hard. I didn't really have any friends after that because no one could stand up to the pastor. Um, so that, that was a, a really hard time for me and when I walked out of the church the last time I said Jesus I'm not sure you're going to follow me out but if you don't then I guess I got that wrong too and and then I walked away right I no longer like read the bible I just all I did my prayer at that point was I don't care what the truth is I just want to know it
0: Fascinating. Yes. This sounds to me like the, the life of a, of a mystic, right? Somebody Mm -hmm. having genuine experience, genuine lived direct experience. And for the mystic, um, religion often is, uh, you know, it it becomes very limiting and you outgrow it very quickly. And it sounds to me now you're asking, you know, for the truth. And that sounds like self-inquiry to me. Right. And those like know it's like the the practice that we see in zen right working with koans or um advaita vedanta self-inquiry looking for the truth right the ultimate truth yeah
1: you know i you know i couldn't have made that impulse run through me it just did Mm. yeah and uh so i as i you know left the church it wasn't but six months later, and I realized that Jesus was still in my heart. Okay, that was big. I I felt um, presence, I felt when I was in a heap on the floor because of the big cut that had just happened to me. You know, I had children, I had to get to school and stuff, but I often couldn't function well while well, I was dealing with that trauma and my whole um, belief system, not not really having much to stand on any any longer. So I was really free flowing in the spirit department. But I remember that um, one day after I got the kids to school, I was just sitting there, I was on the floor. I just put some music in and I couldn't move. And I felt this most beautiful uh, warmth and light. Uh, come down on me and circle me like a bubble and just held me there in the most loving tender space Um, and that would happen you know during that time where I was really not knowing but the presence was there and with me I did know that and it helped me to keep going right um so about six months later i was um at my friend's house and she was having some people over i had gotten interested in astrology being i wasn't out of the i was out of the church now you know i I, i'm basically how i'm aquarian um you know i have so much aquarian energy in me and i kind of just go whoa freedom there's part of me is going freedom from all these limitations and you can't do this and you can't do that and and astrology seemed like a demonic thing from the church's point of view but i, I was interested in it and I, I started to you know to get into it at this party it was a person who um someone told me was really into astrology in a new system that's in our normal regular deck of cards and so i went up to him and asked him if he'd give me a reading and uh he said no i don't do that anymore and i said oh, okay well i respect that and he called me um, next day and he said, you know, God told me to teach the teachers. So he presented a reading to me and we're talking to reading that at that time it was cassette tapes. He gave me eight cassette tapes and a three ring binder that was two inches on me. Wow. Basically what he was doing was teaching me this system through teaching me who I was in this system which is actually the way I teach it to people now too, as well, you know? Um, And at that same time, he, he sat me down and he said, what is one thing that everybody can agree on? Religious, non-religious, everybody can agree on. And I didn't know. And I didn't know he was a spiritual teacher and didn't know where he's going with it. And he said that you exist, that I exist. And he he proceeded to talk to me and introduce me to this man um, who is really my spiritual teacher and father, not alive anymore, and set me free. It's kind of like my second awakening by this man. He, you know, I had this real issue with free will and and God's will, my will. You know what what's going on here because. My own experiences, my own experience, my personal experience is I really didn't have much of it. I mean, I noticed I could put my best foot forward and sometimes it would hit the mark. Sometimes it wouldn't hit the mark. Um, I knew for sure that I had exhausted my ability to deal with this disordered eating, to this need to... um, know i didn't know the words at that time but basically it was my mind my psyche protecting me from all these suppressed emotions and it was giving me a focus you know uh, up front and and i didn't realize that that was happening because this stuff hadn't been dealt with so of course this this is still gonna be happening but i learned my sadhana that way i learned i wasn't in charge I learned that as much passion and power that I felt like I had and that you know, I saw that I could really conquer a lot of things, you know, but not this. And um, he, this, this person and, and my teacher started to explain some of these existential questions that I had in a way that met my heart. My heart's longing, my questions they they might not be everybody's questions. It was what I came in needing to know. You know, if it's some God and some me, then where's the line, okay? What's my part, what's God's part? It just didn't make sense to me. But when I understood that all there was was consciousness, all there was was God, and that God was doing everything, the whole thing, you know, he was, you know, he, he wrote, directed, acted, and even witnessed this whole play of consciousness down here. And for some reason I had no issue with that. You know, the I think God had been preparing a foundation to receive this, this teaching and this truth a lot of years through failure.
0: Right. Through failure. Yes. Yeah. That's when the surrender Comes right. Um, we we talk about surrender a lot on the spiritual path. I talk about it. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how do I surrender? And I can, you know, give some metaphors and stuff. But the real truth is, it happens when you, your will is exhausted, and that often is, you know, through failure. You have to get up and fall down a few times until it's really burned out. And it, I think even surrender is an ongoing process it happens in layers and layers and layers and there's always a deeper level yeah it's 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 the dance between pretending as if you're doing things and then remembering that you're not and back and forth and it's a fun dance
1: yeah i feel that way as well for me because this this kind of landed in me in around the year 2000 it's been quite a while now and um it's the teachings kind of deepened in me that it's not too big of a gap between maybe a resistance to something that is, and the understanding coming out in action and going, Oh, but this isn't up to me. This is like you know, thy will be done, God, and that more automatic surrender um is i kind of it's kind of it's kind of there do you know what i mean that doesn't mean that i don't like it at all that i might not like what's happening i don't i just don't have much argument with it i can't muster up of someone this shouldn't be in me because i know i don't know the mysteries of god i don't know what's best for me and it's very powerful this knowing uh for me to live life like this because my peace isn't interrupted that much then and for me that's what i've always wanted i didn't really consider myself much of a seeker because I always felt like I had God but if there was a seeking it was how do I live in my own skin how do I face life day to day and not run from it that's what I really wanted and understanding that Whatever was happening through me was God's will, even if it expressed in an eating disorder at that moment. This is sort of my second biggest weight to drop, like the guilt and the blame on myself. But it didn't just stop there. It stopped. Well, if I am allowed this, then my brother is also my brother's not doing it. And I started to not be able to find anything wrong with his actions that even hurt me. That doesn't mean I was perfect and I didn't get angry, but my natural eyes saw that person hurt me. My like third eye or my inner knowing knew nobody could ever hurt me. This was all God's gig. And so that kept me pretty balanced. on a certain foundational way, and my the eating stuff started to really get healed from that truth. I didn't realize the power. I guess I, I guess at that point there's a, a, just a big acceptance of a lot of things, just how life worked, how they do it, how I do it. It just wasn't the main thing. I just kind of let it alone and let God take care of it at that point. I just really didn't care much anymore. It was just like, well, God created it. He's going to have to fix it if he wants to. If not. Yeah, I can still love, <laughs> you know, I, I can still go on and I, because I felt along with his devotion to God, I felt just a really a lot of love most of my life. Um. So 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 there was that beautiful teaching foundational for me and the same person who gave me an astrology reading said you know it might be nice for you to go to the ashram in berkeley and um go to a you know intensive and i thought oh okay you know (laughs) why not so uh, you know little island girl goes to the city and makes her way to this big auditorium where I, mean, I was going to go to a chanting intensive for 48 hours with a uh, guru. Mai. um, she, yeah, and, uh, which I did second day I was standing there, you know, chanting all new to me. And yet I was just enjoy. I thought, wow, these are, these people are like worshiping. Like I used to worship God. They're just doing it different. And really first time I ever seen that, you know? And, um, on the ceiling, there was a picture of um, a black and white photo of Muktananda, hanging from these big chains, which was her her guru, Muktananda. And I was chanting, and, and I looked up, and that man's energy—he was alive, and he just jumped into me. This just felt like it felt like literally, and. that energy released the energy inside me and from the base of my spine just danced me just like when my body was just swaying and being danced and I could feel where it was and I, I felt it everywhere up and I felt it leave my, my, my head. And yet I was still dancing with it. It never really left. And like, my feet started to do like they move like little, the happy dance, and I was totally electrified. And I, wow, I just knew that this is unmistakable. This is really something. And um there's no pain in it, no nothing. It was just like, wow, what an experience this is, you know. And I I I intuitively knew that if I looked at my neighbor. Like, I'd blow his light sockets out. I mean, I was this, that. And, and I kind of kept my head, head down in this huge grin on my face, just like, oh, my goodness. And rode the cable car home, and I got to my hotel room, and um, I just I just laughed. I was just in ecstatic joy, like you might see a whirling dervish, you know, moo. I just I was just like, because all this God stuff that I'd cared about my whole life, and I felt the presence of God many times in music and stuff. And yet this was through my body and up and in. And this was a whole different thing. And I, it was just such a confirmation to me that this was alive and this was real. And it made me just really laugh and be happy and joyful. And um, after that, it just broke me, you know, then I, I cried for really a long time. I don't know why I just did. I just cried.
0: And sorry, when you say a long time, are you talking hours or days, yeah, yeah. weeks, hours? Yeah, yeah. no,
1: just hours. Um, just hours. And then I went to sleep and I only told one person, the person who suggested I go there. And I went back to my life. I just I didn't know. I didn't know I should research this, see what this is all about. It just was like, okay, that was a happening. And that was amazing. And I went back to my life and my life completely changed and I could feel that. I was interested in different things. Um, you know, that the teachings that I had, I had learned from this, uh, guru in india these teachings they just start to explode all over my head and i understood things i understood even more what what was going on down here and how i how i fit in what what was the picture and i really had a lot of joy my outside world um changed i like completely got a divorce moved off this beautiful island i liked because i knew i needed to and um I always, I think this is maybe where I differ with the kundalini experience that, okay, kundalini happened and then life changed. And then all this other stuff, the dark night happened and all that. That wasn't my experience. My experience was God always was, God was always doing this whole show with me. And this was another thing he did. And then as my life progressed on, it was just a continuation of that. It didn't differentiate between shakti shiva any of those things i just knew i wasn't in charge and it was happening through me life was doing this and there was an ability to just go with that flow for some reason
0: incredible yes that's a major theme that i've been sort of exploring within myself recently is that we don't all have to make this a big deal in terms of like you know we can just surrender to it like an innocent child. Yeah, this is what's happening. And then we just move on with it in terms of, you know, we don't have to become obsessive about it. And I, I really love that you said, you know, you didn't necessarily, you know, go into an intense dark night of the soul, your journey just continued. And mm-hmm. and that's one of the main intentions that I have for this this podcast is to show people that, you know, this journey can look very different. And and. For somebody like you, it doesn't have to be a huge. Uh, this word Kundalini doesn't have to be a huge theme per se. It's all God, right? and you can yep. look at it through so many different lenses. So, thank you, thank you for for sharing that zoomed out perspective of of the unfolding so far.
1: Well, yeah, and thank you for like even realizing that it doesn't fit a box, you know, and being open-minded and expansive to see hey um you can't really put spirit in a box you know And yeah so i found that this whole process just was quite mystical <laughs> you know life was quite mystical living with people might say kundalini or, or i might say god it I didn't I, I I felt I felt like when I would get into sticky situations, my the thing that kept held me and was, you know, there all the time was oh, okay, this is God's gig. This is God's gig. There's this is just um something that I'm gonna just have to surrender to. The inevitable surrender was pretty much pretty quite immediate it really was and, and i'm not saying i'm great i'm not saying that i, I didn't go through all of the processes the emotional things that that happened because of it i certainly did but again the argument so the psychological self was weakening the egoic idea of myself being in charge was weakening my thoughts, my plans, my opinions, my ideas, my perceptions. You know, they they just didn't seem like they were really going to fly too far. <laughs> I knew there was something stronger than those, right?
0: And did so, you, so I was just going to ask, you know, as this sort of uh, dissolution of yourself and these beliefs was happening did you conceive of it in a certain way as if you know that energetic experience that i had in california is now like you know transforming me is that the way you were looking at it or was it all just this is just happening and something is it, happening god, it was,
1: god was transforming me i mean transformation was huge and it was most of the time in my life not gentle mm-hmm. quick sharp t- going 180 degrees the other way so it took me it took me down and down and down until i just realized that okay I, i i there's just a humbleness that came on board with with life i guess
0: so take us a little further now so you've had these experiences Um, can you give us a general timeline of, of the sort of dissolution process? Was it, can, can you pinpoint a general timeline or, you know, part of your life that this was happening before things shifted again?
1: Um, you know, this is from, you know, the, you know, Kundalini awakening till, you know, present day, the psychological self has been uh, you know thinning you know the veil of that illusion has gotten thinner right and so you know that's a, that's a good you know 20 years right something like that but i wanted to back up a little just and share another kind of major awakening um that happened to me when i went to a silent retreat in yosemite And um, I remember speaking to you that right before that I was in Mount Shasta and in a coffee shop and I saw the picture of this old man and I just was mesmerized by it. And I I, I left it and I kept walking back to it and just was drawn into this man's eyes and, and still am today drawn it into these man, this man's eyes, you know, that is the representation. What I see in his eyes is a representation of that to me. And um, so I didn't know who this was, but eventually I just bought the picture, right? So then I proceed to this 10-day silent retreat in Yosemite, um, Yosemite with this woman spiritual teacher. And I noticed in her little bookstore, this man was the picture this man was there a book about this man was there it was Ramana you know and I go oh wow and I realized that that she was in the lineage of, of Ramana and I go wow okay so another divine guidance right you don't know why you resonate and why you need to have this picture and why you know I look at it right now and the light you know <laughs> And
0: uh, yeah, I, I invite uh, anybody out there who's not familiar with, with Ramana to not even necessarily look up his, you know, work or biography, just look up a picture there. Yeah. It's it's there's an innocence and a radiance, and the self shines through. And I've come across many people who have a similar relationship with Ramana when they don't even really know much, but there's they know there's something about this guy. I think uh, well not I think my dad has the same birthday as Ramana and oh. and um he thought that was amazing you know just another <laughs> another really uh you know reason to to, to feel this connection and and uh, you know be in the company of Ramana just it's something very very special with with multiple um of these you know enlightened enlightened people technology is in a limitation or the self or, or the shakti or that divine presence to shine through photos, videos, even a text. Um, I, I heard one talk uh, about somebody who was, uh, he, he hitched a ride with somebody and they had a picture of uh, Neem Karoli Baba, Ram Dass's guru. And he just said, you know, who is that guy who, in that picture? You know, who's that, you know, fat old Indian guy? <laughs> Cause he saw it and he just, he started to cry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he didn't know you know he's like who is this guy right and so it's interesting the 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 power that um exists in in those who uh you know have have uh tasted the self you could say And we all radiate to some degree or another we all do and um i like to think of you know if if i if i have some impact if i leave something behind i'd like to think maybe even Uh, you know a small percentile of of shakti can 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 radiate outwards long long after i'm gone even if it's just a fraction that i've done my work but of course there there are giants like you know ramana and uh neem Krolli baba who continue to do their work through photos and 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 dreams and and all these sorts of things it's really fascinating stuff that is the power of uh, you know of the divine when the divine begins to flow through a person but anyway i digress um no thank you no, for sharing that I, I i love ramana i really do
1: yeah like the power of the transmission like that picture of muktananda that was just a that was a photo man but it so, it, it it had power to waken something dormant inside me up
0: yeah, Muktananda was a special, interesting guy. You know, he did definitely have a lot of that shakti, and he yeah. had that skill to to transmit shakti, that gift of, of Shaktipad. And and like we were saying, you know, even a photo is not, uh, it's mm-hmm. not uh, you know, out of the realm of possibilities for even a photo to transmit that i'm curious if you moving forward after that experience at maybe at some point along your way did you have some sort of relationship or uh, interest in muktananda and his work okay yeah that that's interesting cuz I, I i was yeah. reading a little bit about uh, about muktananda and some allegations i discovered some allegations about um sexual abuse and you know just disgusting horrible things and you know this was only a couple of weeks ago and and i mean i could i could i really got into i could cry now like it's it's absolutely heartbreaking yeah to you know i felt um betrayed you know because mm-hmm. i've also recognized great power in in muktananda and and the the spiritual accomplishment and yet then there're also these you know these allegations and this this abuse and it and it uh it's very difficult to process i'm still trying to you know make sense of it from what i've understood so far it's like we were saying before nobody's perfect and that's not to justify what he did that's wrong and 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 he shouldn't
1: you. but yeah yeah
0: yeah go ahead go ahead
1: you know there's these latent latent powers you know within us <laughs> and you know, as, as as we'll talk about, you know, I had to face mine as well, um, at a certain point, but I think that, you know, we just have to recognize that the power of God can flow through individual of, <clears throat> and their body, mind, and their, you know, their human side is not developed, but God shows that, <clears throat> you know, you even look at the Bible, and a lot of you know, King David. You know, he was a murderer, adulterer. You know, he he ended, ended up being you know the king of Israel, and David and God called him the man after God's own heart. You know, to reconcile that the 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 perfect lies within perfect people, the extraordinary lies within the ordinary human. You know, and right. to have that grace for ourselves in another, I really think is, is sort of why, you know, just like uh Nisargadatta, angry man who smoked cigarettes, right? Yeah. Did that lessen his teaching? I don't know. It still got to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think what I've come to conclude is that the teacher should be forthcoming that they are imperfect. Yes. And the students should also recognize that, because yes. what was happening, at least from what I read briefly, was that you know he was Muktananda was um, teaching about celibacy and and preservation of sexuality and all that sort of stuff, brahmacharya and all that stuff, but then behind closed doors he was you know raping women, and the women thought, well, this can't be sexual and this can't be rape because he's beyond sexuality. You know, this idea of he's perfect. So this must be something spiritual that I don't understand. And Neither. that was the, the, I guess, whether it was intentional or not, but that was the manipulation tactic that worked for him to be able to abuse. It, it sort of, you know, created this this uh, spiritually bypassing loop where, um, you know, anything goes. And that's why I think it's so important that at least moving forward if you understand this, we have to talk about what you just said, you know, God may be able to come through, but this body, this mind is imperfect and we are works in progress. We're still healing, still growing. And, uh, you know, nobody is beyond um, making mistakes. And when we make mistakes, just like anybody else, we should be you know, held accountable and we should be honest and, and ask for uh, forgiveness and do our best to, you know, not harm others, Isar Gadatta, you know, like you said, he smoked cigarettes. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's, maybe it's a human imperfection. It had mostly to do with his own system, but we all have some flaws. Some of us, like Muktananda, you know, maybe had some sexual hangups and some sort of, you know, narcissistic tendencies or whatever it was that led to that type of abuse. But, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, what are my tendencies? Maybe I have subtle ways that I, you know, maybe... I'm offensive or rude or manipulative that I'm not even aware of, and that maybe yeah. I'm somehow spiritually bypassing that. You know this this experience that I had, like when I read about Muktananda recently, like I said, it really was like eye opening for me because I recognized, you know, um, the work does not stop, can never get complacent.
1: No, um, I haven't found that there's not pockets that. You know, poke their head up of everyday in everyday living that I have to trace down to something that I didn't see or a wound or an emotion that wasn't faced or felt. And um, I think humility, uh, humility is just a really awesome trait to see in another. And I think before every major big move, there's a humble being there who is. You know, that was the first step that they had to take, you know, to, you know, to truly allow God to move through them in an authentic way, not in a facade, like, I'll teach you this and I'll do another thing, you know. But what I was going to say is I went to this retreat um, and it was really, really quite beautiful. But what happened to me one night was another, I would say it was like this third awakening experience that I had. It was more of a unitive experience of the complete circle of uh, oneness. And I just couldn't sleep and I just started to write and this energy started to come on me and just all I could do. I still have these 11 pages a legal binder that I was writing and I kept drawing this circle, just, just drawing this circle. And it was like every, I, I was writing, you know, everything in my life has come down to this very moment of, of understanding this oneness. And, and, you know, I went on and said so much stuff, but what I understood at that moment that this oneness was so big, it just like and it came back around and it grabbed me too and i realized that i was part of this that i i that's when i really understood that i was consciousness as well that i was this and that stunned me silent and i mean i was at a silent retreat that worked perfectly but i would sit for hours between sessions and just look out the window at this little light snow falling on the evergreen trees. And I just hadn't, I just couldn't care to move at all. I just felt this wholeness. And, uh, yeah, that was a big, that that was really big and none of this was like conceptual religion was conceptual this was experiential this was happenings you know i mean i couldn't sleep i'd get up and i'd have to draw the circle again and i mean i just it was just so alive in me and then it all just dropped and there was just peace like the snow falling and um So I was pretty, pretty bright after that uh, happening. And then life happened. Life just kept, kept happening. It was very expansive time for me. You know, I got um, into, you know, designing homes and that career and having a lot of architects, and um, drafts people work for me and designing homes and, loving being in people's lives. They tell me they wanted a two story, whatever this, and I just get so excited. And I just, because there's a lot of creativity that wanted to express. And that was a beautiful avenue for me to express, to be in people's lives. And um, yeah, so I did that. Then um, I had another career. I was, I had healthcare center in the town that I, I live in. Because I did a cleanse, a Kohnheider therapy cleanse and felt a lot of transformational stuff happen on all levels of being, you know, psychological, emotional, physical, spiritual. And I decided I wanted to do this because I'd always had the desire to be really in people's lives in a significant, meaningful, deep, personal way. You know, I just loved human nature and I felt a lot of compassion, love for people. But more than just like seeing people at the mailbox, like I know I could go deeper with people and I really wanted to, and I could see this was a way. So I went and got trained and did that and opened up a center and it was really cool. It was really beautiful because I ended up being with a lot of people who had gone through the medical system and they were still sick and they, so they were trying alternative methods. So I got to be with hard, sad people, and I got to be with them and, and love them and provide what I could for them and take them through cleanses and, and different things, right, with the colonitis therapy. And so that was cool. Um life went on you know i i got remarried to a a really nice man the one i am married to today we've been married for 20 years and um but i think i'm gonna fast forward right now to uh to 2018 where really the shit hit the fan for me Mm -hmm. like like big and um the volcano had just erupted, which was very traumatic because it was, I was in our houses and our, everything that we owned was in the line that it could flow and take it all away. We had to leave our house. So that was pretty nerve wracking um, to say that my nervous system, you know, just shot to fight and flight and stayed there for months and months. It was a very long active volcano, it devastated um the side of the islands and took many, many, many homes, like 700 homes and everything. That, I had an injury on my rib that wouldn't go back in, and it was really painful for three months, and I couldn't, it just, it just wouldn't do, it was very painful, and chiropractors couldn't seem to deal with it. Um, My husband and I were stressed in our ways of handling all the stress. (laughs) We weren't handling it, like, so much um, on a team. We were both it was triggering all of our stuff right so that was sad for me and i laid down for a nap one day and um this is when brent i i woke up a different person i um i woke up and i immediately knew something was wrong it felt like like part of my brain was gone my nervous system was not regulating anything. There was no sense of well-being. I had zero energy. I could hardly move. I didn't know what happened. All I just knew that it encompassed everything, and it, it felt torturous, literally just torturous. I didn't associate it with kundalini because, like I said, I kind of just saw this all as a move of God, right? And it was... Doing quite well. It wasn't that I wasn't facing life or emotions. It was just, I just knew it was all God, right? Kind of did that, but not avoiding myself. I, I didn't know that I was avoiding, you know, stuff. But yeah, so that was really big. And this started the dark night of the soul that lasted two and a half years. I mean, Two and a half years with not a break. Like with no break in the wall. Not, I had a good day and then I didn't have a good day. There were moments. All that was coming up was the energy of the universe was rushing through me. Unbelievable anxiety. Like unbelievable. Like nothing could be enjoyed because I felt like I was just going to leave my skin or my body. And I was just... I shook a lot. Um, it took all my energy. I'm a very neat, tidy person. I took a shower once every 10 days. It was overwhelming to think about taking a shower. I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read. I, I, I mean, it was pretty encompassing. And there was a really lot of pain. And it felt like parts of me were completely gone. And on top of this, I was having memories and situations and scenarios and painful events show up in my life and dreams and all this processing of stuff just rushed forward all the time. Um, What didn't leave with was um, my awareness of it all or the awareness of it all. And I still felt love. I still felt love. I could feel it in myself for others, even for myself. But every sense of myself was gone in any role that I identified with or thought I stood in or was. And I wasn't a proud person in my identities and roles. It's just that they all went out the window. I couldn't do anything, you know. Um, And I really didn't want to do it. I just, it was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. Um, I, by God's grace, a therapist landed in my lap and COVID was here. She was offering her free services. I decided, wow, I don't know. I think my life is ending. And I felt like I wanted to tell one person everything in my life, all the dark stuff. I just wanted to unload. I felt this need to go back to the beginning, sort it through and unload. And I was felt like my capacity to do that was about zero. But I knew I needed to do that. And she was willing to do that with me. And she's a beautiful woman. And she came to my house twice a week and we talked for two hours and I snot nose cried and I revealed everything and um, did EMDR and just started to unpack stuff. I didn't know why I was doing this. Still hadn't figured out it was, it was a, like a spiritual emergence, you know, happening. But she had had a, a small kundalini experience. She goes, Tony, I think you've got a kundalini thing happening. I said, well, that did happen, but as we kind of got got on, I go, oh my gosh, I started to see that this dark night stuff is sort of something else that happened with Kundalini, and so I, I started to look at that in that light, and it kind of made me feel, okay, well, maybe I'm not dying, maybe there's a reason this is happening, and again, I was just going with the flow, because there was no other flow to go with. I don't know. I can stop for a second and see. I kind of said a lot there if you want to see. Anything. No,
0: that that's great. I, I would invite you to just just keep going. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so I also um because I looked up Kundalini now online and I found Craig holiday seemed to know a bit about this and I resonated with his honesty. Um, and where he was able to be human and express how hard it was for him. And it was everything that I was going through. And I go, wow, I really want to get in touch with this guy. I didn't know anything. I called him. He answered. When does that happen? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, it became the beginning of a really long friendship I like I think mentioned one time on a call I said you know I, I told him I, I don't really need a teacher I just need a friend you know are you down for that you know and uh, so I, I, I talked to him every couple of weeks for you know a year and then maybe once a month for a year and He was just a sustaining person in my life. I I look forward to those things. I felt like a a, a kind of normal human being when I talked to him because he was speaking my language and I didn't have anybody to speak that. And he's a very uh, dear soul with a big heart.
0: Yes, yes. No, definitely. Craig Holliday, very, very kind, sweet, evolved and wise man for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, when I got with him, I could feel my presence and God's presence. And that was the hardest part about the dark night is even though I knew I needed to just trust this, it was complete blind faith. There was no more feeling of God. There was no more hearing God. There was no songs being played to God. And, uh, it was just really dark. Mm -hmm. and at that time what helped me was um friends I didn't tell them you know really what happened but they would come over and play games with me or read to me or tell me their problems to be honest you know I was kind of a born counselor maybe my love for human nature and I like you know seeing into people and have a lot of compassion for them and somehow knowing how to be with them you know in hard times and even when i was just like laundering it seemed like i could rise to that occasion and so um i would schedule people to come into my house every single day or a phone call or something or my husband on weekends would be home he was a complete gem he didn't know what was going on for me he, you know, he knew he lost a, his wife um to massage table in the living room (laughs) used to be a massage therapist. It now became my dark night of soul bed. (laughs) And um, yeah, I'm thankful for all those people who, you know, colored adult colored with me and just helped me help me go on when I didn't want to go on, you know, just they knew day would come and, I didn't know how to do it, but it seemed like it happened. I got up and did stuff, you know, at least I lived. I lived, I guess I can just survive, survived and lived. And then um, I don't know why, maybe um, all the therapy had lightened the load somehow. But I remember one day I laid down and for the first time, I felt a little more calm than I did before I had laid down like it, it was like a really a night and day thing. I go, wow, I relaxed a little. Relaxing was not something I knew. I mean, the, not I did not re- remember, I longed. I remember seeing myself in a chair sitting there calm, but that wasn't my experience. But it happened one day and then very slowly, And my nervous system started to calm down a bit, regulate. And from that, some of the health challenges that happened and a lot of things just started to get a little better really slowly. Um, And that's been about five years now. So things have calmed down. And uh, I had a dream, you know, that I was pregnant with my own self. I mean, that I was pregnant. I knew I was pregnant with my own self for some reason. And then at a certain point, I realized that I had been birthed. And I'm now out of the womb. And I was born now of a spirit of a different kind. I wasn't the same girl who laid down before the nap. I was now this little baby learning how to do life again and how to walk and how to be who I was, what music I could start to listen to just, you know, and it started to get really the sense of God and presence of God and downloads from God and, you know, things lifted again. And, uh, like the joy of the Lord, the joy of my being started to come on board. I, for that time i couldn't put two pleasant thoughts together honestly i saw so much of my shadow side i saw that i didn't want anybody else to be happy because i wasn't happy i saw a lot of stuff in me that was really hard to face um before the nap god had maneuvered me to a place a checkmate place that All my protector parts, the eating, everything was done. For some reason, I knew it was over and it wasn't really an act that I did because as I spoke, it was clear I I couldn't do that. But it did happen. God took the compulsion, the addiction, the desire to want to hold back life from me, sort of just left and i don't know why but that's when kundalini just rushed in and go okay i wanted you here forever now let's get to it you know and he did it was thorough it was deep it was awful
0: incredible seems like that difficult period i mean to put a mildly difficult period but that dark night of the soul was like the birth canal and there was yeah. a rebirth that took place there i can relate as well i i didn't have such a long drawn out um dark night but mine was about uh 2 months of, of very intense uh similar things to what you describe intense purging and and fight or flight i think there was one point i had like i recognized i was having an adrenaline rush for about like 2 3 days straight and like like heart racing sweating the full thing for 2 3 days it was really freaky um but there was glimmers of hope towards the end like you described whoa i'm relaxing i thought oh okay there's something is happening here i'm healing there's mm-hmm. like a light there's so then hope came about and that was well, I clung to that, you know, with with everything I had, you know. M- maybe what these people that I read about, Craig Holiday, for example, others, maybe what they've talked about, how it's going to be okay. Maybe they're they're telling the truth. It <laughs> seems like something is emerging here. Maybe they were telling the truth, and I held on to that for you know for dear life, I guess I could say. And eventually, like you, there was a there was a rebirth process, that uh, you know, being reborn and and having to like you know look at things for the first time with a new set of eyes. Incredible, incredible. So throughout your your journey, you've been describing relating with God. Uh, I think often you've described God as a man, as a he, as a masculine force. I'm curious if you relate with, with uh, the divine feminine, if that's part of the way that you relate with the divine. Do you have a conception of the divine mother uh, and that sort of thing?
1: Um. Yeah, and you know, sorry about the you know the God as a he because it's just kind of a word. Um, I don't see it as a gender so much, but I think I think just my upbringing, right? You know, um,
0: of course, nothing to be apologetic about. Um, yeah.
1: but mm-hmm. um, yeah, since I understood this Shakti said, yeah, that's that's a it's a it's quite quite big in me, like this whole feminine aspect of god i feel was one of the huge things that god birthed in me just feeling the divine feminine my own self in how i create and how i dance um how i love how i nurture um how i call out to my mom my divine mama you know um I feel, I feel that. I feel more of this nurturing side um, from, from you know spirit. I, I see that. And I think it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, you know, to discover kind of the Shakti side of it, you know, the movement, the action, you know, part of it. So yeah, that's that's something that's definitely you
0: know changed right right yeah I, I also um i mean for me i'm not like my disposition my energetic disposition is not very feminine and i think that's why i relate with with the goddess very much like i'll refer to god as like the divine mother i don't really conceive of god as uh as a he or a him as a masculine force though i i completely acknowledge like for example shiva i mean you know i chant yeah. om, na, om namah shivaya and and you know I, I enjoy those teachings and when even when you're speaking of of god as like you know a he i understand what you mean but for me i just feel that that complementary energy of the divine feminine and I was just curious because, of course, for you, like you know, the feminine is very radiant in you, and you were also describing singing and dancing and music, and and so I was just curious about that, even the way that you were talking about, um, you know, nurturing and supporting others. It's a very yeah. feminine quality, and I was curious if, if uh, you know, there was a feminine aspect to your relationship with God. So, thanks for sharing about that. I, I really appreciate that. So, your your story is a great example in and of itself of going through the process, the difficulty, and multiple phases of your journey, the the letting go, the transitions, the uh the just innocent trust and just saying, you know, this is what God wants and God will take care of it. And it's all just gonna be okay. Um and and I really appreciate that. I think the overall teaching that I'm getting from what you're sharing there is, you know, it's all going to be okay because this is all God's it's all God's play. It's God's gig. I love I love that the the poetry of of that. It's God's gig. Now, beyond that though, however, I'm just curious for those in a dark place right now, maybe as a result of their Kundalini or their spiritual process, do you have any general wisdom that you can share? Some of that, you know, like I was speaking earlier about that, you know, soothing or gentle wisdom to those in a dark place, who maybe don't feel um, that God is present with them, or that this has anything to do with God? Because often, in the dark night, there can be a yeah. sense of being abandoned by God. I'm not sure if you really felt that. You didn't touch on it too much, but I did. yeah, yeah, okay, you did, right? So how did you how did you navigate? Was it just, I guess you described blind faith? Lived. You just lived, yeah. <laughs>
1: I just endured. I just didn't patiently, I don't know, patiently or not. I just, I just endured blindly. I didn't know um, what happened. I mean, it, you know, like I say, it was total. So, you know, if someone came to my door in that state, the dark night, I'll just hold them. I just told him, you know, the word compassion, its roots means to be with. I, I, I know now how to be with someone, I think in a worst case scenario, hugely, you know, and I would be with them. And I would listen to them. I'd cry with them. You know, I would whisper any words of encouragement that, you know, that I love you that there's more, this isn't the end run. You will, you will survive this. And you will even see differently and clearer because of it, you know, that you're being awakened to a higher consciousness that will help not only you, but the whole uplift, the whole, you know, you will be ushering in a whole new consciousness And just to kind of help them take a step back, right? The broader picture, the bigger picture here of evolution, of what's really happening, you know? But I would sit with their human side and as long as they needed it, I would sit with them. And like with when lightning strikes, when someone's there, I feel such this motherly love and tenderness that I want to portray to them and encourage them like that's just so huge you know the values that I have um now like friendship's a really big value to me like friend friendship's a really Aquarian new age thing it like Brotherly kindness, friendship, that's really big in my book, you know. Being vulnerable is very big in my book. Um, being authentic. I look at these as sort of the end run of what Kundalini is doing when sh- she Shakti meets Shiva, you know. that We're re- re- uniting, you know, with what was once original. You know, the word um, authenticity in its root means author you know, what was original to us, that we can live that in form, you know, by brotherly kindness, you know, some of these higher mind, higher capacities within us, we maybe don't always think that they could be basic, ordinary things, like kindness, right? You know, I mean, I want to live in a culture, an advanced culture that has that as its king, you know? And I feel that Kundalini, you know, accelerates this divine process with the end run that's really beautiful. You know, That's, that's what I see.
0: Great. Well, thank you thank you so much for those soothing words sometimes people will reach out with some feedback about these conversations and they will share that you know they feel that they're in the company of people who understand what they're going through and the message you just shared there i think that's going to to pierce some hearts and they're going to feel your your aloha I think that's, that's, that's very powerful. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your journey with us today, Tani. I really, really appreciate this. Um, it's It's been a great uh, journey so far, traveling with you, spending time with you on uh, the When Lightning Strikes community. And um, I look forward to staying in touch and, and I'm, I'm really grateful to have you as a friend and fellow traveler on the path here. Thank you, thank you. So as we wrap up here, um, is there somewhere where people can reach out to you by email if uh, they'd like to, you know, maybe just say thank you or you know just relate a little bit about their journey? Can I put your email in the description?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If someone okay. feels that they need a like a listening ear, a loving touch, um, yeah, I'm totally available for hearing that and um, you know I was if I could just share the words to a, a song that um, I clung to in the dark night and um it's called um uh, it goes like best songs come from broken hearts, busted dreams and beat up guitars. It's times like these when we're down on our knees it's true. you gotta dig deep within the well of your soul to find the will to sing the song that only you know about going to hell and living to tell the truth. Wow.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Tani. Really appreciate that a lot. I think that's a great point for us to wrap up here. Thank you all out there for listening and spending time with Tani and I together. We really appreciate your attention. And until next time, much love and peace.